You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. the smooth groove sounds of Tyler Blanton and his horny electric band on the greatest little live show in the land. That's right, Brooklyn, it's B-Side, and I am your host, Queen God Is, here to introduce you to musician, composer, and vibraphone guru, Tyler Blanton. with this. We'll save the horny electric band conversation for a little bit later. <laughs> um, tell us where you're from and how you made your way into New York and then now Brooklyn. Okay, well, so I grew up in Southern California in a little town called Ojai, which is north of Los Angeles. Um, little kind of hippie retreat town. It's best known for, that was where Krishnamurti oh. uh, set up his kind of, I don't want to say the word cult. I don't think that's the right word for it, but, but he said it is. So it's known for Christian Murdy. But it's, yeah, it's just a small, small town uh, in Southern California. And I ended up in New York in my late 20s, uh, just out of pursuit of music and being drawn to the music that was happening in pretty much in Brooklyn, mostly. The music that was happening and the people that I was um, surrounded by that were gravitating here right. for that. Well, I do want to talk more about how music came into your life back in the young days of California. But before we do that, I'd I, I love to, we can't go any further in the show unless we're very clear about what your relationship to Brooklyn is. Oh, interesting. So when I, I moved to New York in 2006, and at that time, about half the musicians I knew lived in Brooklyn and half lived in Queens. Okay. Because nobody can afford to live in Manhattan. Okay. Right? So, <laughs> So it was kind of this push and pull of like, oh, you live in Astoria or Brooklyn. And I decided, well, I'm going to try living in Brooklyn because I, I went there first and I saw my way around. I thought, oh, this would be, I'll start here. And as a result, it turned out that everybody I knew and played music with ended up moving, kind of coming over to Brooklyn in the years that followed. Okay. Um, uh, but at first, I remember renting a room here somewhere out in Crown Heights and getting up in the morning looking around and going, wow, how I live here? Yeah. <laughs> it was really, coming from California, it was a really big it is, it is lifestyle really. adjustment. So Well, let's not give them too much of the Brooklyn story away. Let's okay. save some for, for mid-range. Right. But I, now let's go back to California. What was the first song you heard or the first group of musicians that you saw that really inspired you to say, I really want to do this? Um, who were they? What was it? Oh, interesting. Well, I think for me, my story, it wasn't like one hard and fast moment. It was more of just a time in my life 
that things became more and more clear to me that um, I was listening to, I was playing percussion and drums and starting to play on marimba and vibraphone. And I started listening more and more to jazz and funk and different things that had the vibraphone in it. Okay. And I just found myself, I realized after a while that all I really was doing was listening to music or playing music day in and day out. And it became clear to me that, well, I guess this is really what, what I want to do every so day. I might as well go all the way in. Yeah. yeah, You reach a point where you're like, well, if I look at what I did this last week or the week before or the month before, Okay, well, I guess I'm kind of deciding, I've decided by just continuing down what my interests are. Um, so it was kind of a stretch of maybe a year or so that I went from doing some music and listening to some music to pretty much only doing that 24-7. Uh, well, what's cool is that, you know, some people get inspired to go into music not necessarily because of an instrument or a series of instruments, but because of, of the sound or the way the sound made them feel at a particular moment mm. in their life. But with you, you have a very interesting story because the instrument, instrument is such a big highlight of this journey for you. So you mentioned marimba, which is kind of the great, 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 great grandparent of this uh, instrument that you're playing today. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But how do you go from the marimba and the vibraphone to now what you are presenting to the world as the horny electric band. So what cool. we know is that you used to have Tyler Blanton trio. Yeah. And a trio is generally drums, double bass, and piano. But your version of a trio is different because you, you, didn't, you, do, you do not play the piano as right. part of your sound. Um, and so then you moved on to a quartet. And now you're here with this qu quintet who we want to introduce because they're a lot of fun. Y'all have no yeah. idea. Brace yourselves. <laughs> So with the quartet is usually when you add a horn section, uh -huh. um, and now we have all of this involved. So tell us how you made. Tell us briefly about how you made that transition to this layout, and then introduce these guys. Okay, yeah. So so when I'm playing, should I talk about the instrument as well? I uh, will. We'll, we'll go into the instrument a little okay. bit later, but let's get them the in band. here because right. yeah, because so, right. so the horny electric band. So this came. Uh, it started out that I would play the the electric vibe setup with bass and drums. And we were doing a lot of shows around town, and Massimo was doing it, and um, we got so Corey involved. And Massimo is who? Massimo is the bass player. On back bass, there. Massimo on bass. Can the camera reach that? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we got him. Uh, and uh, and at one point I said, oh, it'd be nice to have a horn player. So I added a horn player. I thought, oh, heck, let's let's add another horn. Let's get a trumpet involved too. Uh -huh. And we're rehearsing in my small apartment where you know we're up against each other's elbows, and. The nature of the band is we start just kind of riffing on things. We start talking about things and making jokes and just keep, it keeps going. So who, who are these two guys making it, up the horn section? So these guys, so we have uh, Mike Mayer on the trumpet here, Mike. by Moz, yeah. and uh, Chris Bullock on the tenor saxophone. And then this guy right here. And this gentleman right here is, is Mr. Corey Rawls on the yeah. drums here. He's the most smiley drummer that yeah. we have ever had on this yeah. stage, yeah. Um, which is, no, and I don't want you to help it. I think it's great. I think it's great. This is the Tyler Palantin and the Horny Electric Man. Yeah. The first song that we heard was called I'll Put On Pants. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, before we talk about it, let's just actually go into the next song, and I want to see who's responsible. Who was not wearing pants when this song was made? Give it up one more time for Tyler Blanton and the Horny Electric Band.
fun here since y'all are having so much fun. Um, I'm going to set the scene from what I imagine and then you tell the audience if I'm right or yeah. not. So it's a, a typical Brooklyn Sunday where artists are trying to decide if they're going to pay rent or <laughs> rent a caravan and go on tour. And y'all are sitting home having a bromantic Sunday. A bunch of bros in flannels with uh, no pants on. <laughs> watching um, a movie on his phone because nobody had paid their cable bill. <laughs> Someone gets a, a flashbulb moment and say, I got it, we're gonna call this, because you're looking at each other with no pants on, so this gets a little weird. I'm gonna call this, let's call ourselves the horny electric van, but I'm can I get one, Corey? Can I get, you missed me with the, I didn't get, he didn't want to. <laughs> This isn't your first time Not at all, this. I'm good, I'm good, I'm real good. So uh, what parts of that are true? What parts of that can you clarify? That was pretty much it to a T. <laughs> you know, a lot of cats get on stage and the music is so groovy and they're just cool, right? Like it's just like cool, barely want to talk, let me just play my mm -hmm. songs, leave me alone, interview lady, right? Uh -huh. But you guys are so smiley. I can tell that this whole thing is one big musical bromance. <laughs> and, and we hear it and we feel it. So. I want to know how much of your sound and your music is based off of these creative ideas you have in your mind and your heart, or how much of it really just comes out of who you hang out with, the musicians that you know, and how you want to create music around these relationships. Interesting, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'll originally write some of these ideas, and then as we play them, I feel like the songs get further and further away from what they originally mm -hmm. uh, uh, set out to be. but. Whenever that happens, I always, almost every time, I love where it's, what it's become much more than, it's what it becomes is much more than I ever imagined to begin with. And a lot of that has to do with everybody putting their voice on it. It's kind of an, an organism that's being fed initially by, by my idea, but then it's what Massimo does with it on the bass and what Corey does on the drums and the ideas we have. It kind of, it develops from there. Uh, so the original uh, kernel for that song was just uh, this little Big Lebowski clip and um, this idea of I have this little riff and we've kind of shaped it into this whole composition based on those, those initial ideas. Why particularly that clip from the movie? Okay. He fixes the cable. <laughs> so that's just a really funny scene um, that uh, for some reason it stuck with me, that quote of, you know, I'm the cable guy, I'm here to fix the cable. And when I was playing that, I was like, oh, this is kind of like, this could be like the background of one of those kind of films, you know, like kind of the groove with the bass. And I thought, oh, this could be like 
my modern music version of, uh, of <laughs> He Fixes the Cable. Okay. So. <laughs> right. I kind of feel like Yasikli went to like college together for one semester. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> and have extended that moment for the past like yeah. 10, 15 years. Okay. So what's interesting, speaking of voice, you, your first album, once you arrived in New York, was called Botanic. Mm -hmm. And that came out in 2010. And then a few years later, your second album was called Gotham. Um, and that was around 2014. Just from the titles alone, we can see what New York did to him. We're sorry. <laughs> By the time you walked from the Botanic Garden to your apartment and saw the like pink slip on your door, it was like Gotham had arrived. Um, but none of these albums, none of these projects have vocals on them. Is that correct? Mm, correct. Well, in a way, I could title it anything whatever because there's no vocals that need to be sung with it. You know, if I had a vocalist here and I said, okay, here's the, the song title, I, <laughs> I might get some strange looks. You would, you will. But, but, and you will by the time the show is over. <laughs> uh, but I always joke with Corey, is like, what song is that? Because right. he doesn't remember us. So like, is it just like an inside, just something to kind of like put a smile on your faces or do they actually, aside from the sample in yeah. this song, have a meaning? How, well, in that, that song was based around that idea of like, I'm gonna, this, this song could totally fit with the cable scene from Big Lebowski. Okay. And then <laughs> the, other, the other song we put, I'll put on pants, that's like, um, you know when someone someone calls you like, oh man, I'm here. We, you know, someone comes to your apartment and you're supposed to meet someone. You're running late and they call you and you're like brushing your teeth and it's like, oh man, I'm at your door. Are you ready? And it's like, oh man, okay, I'll put on pants. I'll get things going. You know, like I'm like, okay. so that's that's a, a song we start the set off with. Right. So it's an intro song. It's so like, we kind of creating right. a, 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 a a film yeah. in between songs. Right. Well, what I thought was cool is that the sample from the Big Lebowski film comes from this machinery you have here, which is a great way to segue about your, your trajectory, not only with instruments, but also in the craft and the tradition of jazz. So we mentioned the marimba, which is an instrument that dates way back right. um, and has been found in Africa. And the marimba is largely made of wood, mm -hmm. correct? And then the marimba evolves around 2000 BC into a xylophone. And the xylophone is also made of wood um, and has uh, resonators underneath to help amplify sound uh, or carry sound. And it also can be made of synthetic material. And then you go from the xylophone to vib vibra harp, vibraphone which is 19-21-ish. Yeah. And then vibraphone, um, which is not what this is. So this is what we joked about earlier about this is the iPad of vibraphones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> called the right. Mallet Cat. This is called the Mallet Cat, yeah. But right. it's essentially just uh, a keyboard for a vibraphonist to play. Right. Because I play it the same way I would playing the vibraphone or marimba. Right. So this is what a keyboard is to piano. Exactly. And the mallet cat, the name refers to the mallets that you use to play Yeah, with. so this thing is, is called a mallet, which mm -hmm. is what percussionists use to play any kind of um, instrument like this. And so this company made it, they call this the mallet cat. And cat is spelled K-A-T, K -A -T. which is a nod back to Josh tradition. Yeah. Who's that cat on the, oh, the cat that ain't a piano cat. on yeah, the yeah. vibraphone. Okay.
You are listening to Tyler Blanton and the Horny Electric Van, which formed around 2015. Um, there's no album yet to kind of contextualize all this, but it is a live experience, traces of which you can find on YouTube and on the interwebs. Um, so we go from 2010 Botanic, um, which was more traditional jazz, to 2014 Gotham, which was uh, jazz with electric influences, a fusion of these instruments that were making their way into your world and that you were exploring, and also carried the weight of your experience in New York City. And now we're here, we're still in New York, but this sounds really joyful and bright, um, kind of like the vibe of big band jazz. Yeah. Um, what happened? I love this, you're bringing it all together, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm excited to do it, I don't even wait, want to wait for you to tell me if I'm right or not, I just, I'm going with my feelings. Um, Answer this question and then let's kind of come back to that. Jazz is? I think jazz is an approach, not only to music, but to life. And if you had one word to qualify that approach, what would you say? One word. I guess this might require some explanation, but I guess vulnerable would be the word that comes oh, to that's mind. That's interesting because I was thinking badass. I was <laughs> going to say badass. You were if going on the other my side. Own statement. Vulnerable. <laughs> I, you know, I think there is something about New York, and particularly Brooklyn, that really forces us to explore the vulnerability of being badass. Mm. Vulnerability, is that something that came out of your experience being in New York, or is that something that comes out of your experience being someone who's qualified as a jazz player who's using some non-traditional elements? It's part of the whole package, and for me, you mentioned like the first album, it's very much this, and then my next album was completely opposite, and then this is a totally different side of me. And I think you need to be willing to be vulnerable to, uh, to bring different aspects of who you are mm -hmm. to the public. And not everyone is comfortable doing that or doing that all at once. Mm -hmm. At least from my, from my perspective, I'm all those things. I'm a serious jazz musician, I'm a traditionalist, I'm someone who likes rock and electronic music. I'm someone who would compose something very serious and heartfelt, but also I love stuff to just be silly. That's a big part of my personality. So to take the leap to bring that to the public, all these different facets of who you are, mm -hmm. takes a bit of courage. And used to play in a metal band, and one of your former collaborators, or maybe he's also, he's still a collaborator, he's just not here today, he says, <laughs> Tyler Blanton plays the kind of music that only another drummer would subject his band to. <laughs> I know who said that. <laughs> because usually in most of these setups, particularly the trio quartet, it's the, the piano, the air of a piano mm. that would lead. But I guess he's saying you actually lead like a drummer, which is yeah. like leading from behind, right? So that's kind of interesting. Um, I want to talk about your influences. Who are some of your influences mm. that really got you to be a bit badass and vulnerable in your approach? So uh, my first musical figure, I guess, was my grandfather who mm -hmm. played saxophone. Um, and he would always be playing, you know, big band music and bebop and stuff like Thanksgiving dinner, it'd be like Bird would be playing. And mm -hmm. um, at the time I was like, I don't know about this, this is I don't know if I like this, but I was listening to that. And he would always bring out his horn, um, you know, at Christmas or, or Thanksgiving, like family get-togethers. And I think that was where I first connected that music can be very much a social and celebratory thing. Yeah. Um, and which, it can be rough and light at the same time, which is a perfect embodiment of your grandfather, right, Joe? Right. Um, he was a contractor 
as well as a musician. So he had like gritty mm -hmm. hands, but then also like a beautiful yeah. light touch on the instrument. I mean, he was the toughest guy who, you know, you would do some chore and he would come back and tell you how you did everything wrong and to do it again. Yeah. I mean, he was one of these like first world Italian guys, but, and he had an incredible work ethic. I mean, this guy was up at 6 a.m., worked all day, would take a 20 minute nap and then go play a gig at night. Right. Um, so, you know, he was in some ways tough as nails, but when it came time to party, right. it was always let's play some songs and Which break is out the horn. An interesting embodiment as well of what jazz is. I, I want to talk a little bit more about him in that he passed away in 2002. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I found out that when he passed away, your family asked that donations be made, not to the family, but to the San Antonio after school band program, uh, which is really, really yeah. interesting, especially now. We just had National Walkout Day, where we're talking about putting guns in school as a mandate to protect schools, while we're also facing taking art out of schools. If your grandfather was sitting in the audience, <laughs> looking at you, right. proud, I'm sure, what would he say about not only this, but all of that? Well, I think you might have a thing or two to say about what the music we're playing. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, but I think he would be, I think he would be proud that we, we kept it going. And one thing that I, that I always admire him for, even to this day, is that he was very big on giving back to, you know, he would play in rest homes, he would play, he would share, um, you know, his talents with you know people who thought they would enjoy it you know just for the the joy of passing it along mm -hmm. and um you know that's something that i always try to remind myself like you know to be able to do this it's really you're really lucky to have the time and place and opportunity and talent and whatever to be able to do music Tyler, if you could give a message to the artists at home who are struggling between approach. So you have the young artists who are like, I'm not doing anything else, I'm dropping out of everything, I'm just gonna sit here with whatever my instrument is and I'm gonna learn that way just by exploring it. And then you have artists who are in the conservatory going through theory and reading music and all of these, that process. And then you have the artists in between who are trying to do both. When you think about the impact of approach and education on really honing craft. From your vantage point, what would you say to them? Wow, it's hard to give that kind of advice without knowing who it's going to because it's such a personal thing. Well, would you say know thyself? Would you say you just have to really, like your first instrument you study is yourself and then from knowing yourself, that's how you decide or? Uh, to some extent, but also, uh, I believe that we all change and evolve and grow as well. So who you are today might be different from who you, mm -hmm. you might be in a, in a year. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that goes back to being vulnerable, is being honest with yourself of, is this, is this what I really love to do right now? And you had a moment like that because you said that you didn't want to be pigeon held by the vibraphone and then ta-da, the, right. the mallet cat showed up. Right. What was that transition like for you? So again, I think if you follow follow your heart or what, 
you know, what really compels you, you find ways mm -hmm. to do your thing and to think outside the box, as corny okay. as that is. Well, speaking of thinking outside the box, because we're trying to get it all in in the time yeah. frame that we have, let's do something outside of the box, right? Okay. So the mallet cat is the great, 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 great grandchild of the marimba, mm -hmm. right? And marimba, for those that have an education moment, marimba, some people think it means um, there was a ma, which means many, and rimba, which means a one bar xylophone. And then there's a version that says it comes from Queen Marimba in Africa, in Africa, a woman or sometimes depicted as a goddess. And Ma means mother, and uh, Imba means song, so the mother of song. This is really difficult to sit next to something like this and not like like a three-year-old one. Yeah. So I feel like can we can well, we just can we? You are the host. I am the host, but I know how how musicians are about their You're instruments. You're welcome to. Right, Corey? And can I can I just? Sexual chocolate. I'm gonna do a little bit more later, but I don't want to be a hog. You don't um, want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. <laughs> when you're not doing music, what do you do? Well, uh, all the cliche things. I cook. You do. Uh, I teach. I have some young piano students. You are a teacher. And uh, are you a parent? And I'm not a parent. Not no. a parent. Okay. Yeah, it's usually the kitchen or music. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, those two things keep me busy. And another uh, kind of random question, who are your top five MCs? Oh, wow. Well, that one I'm not prepared for. I know you're not. <laughs> Be vulnerable and you also got, badass. You, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> the first one you've got me for, but the second, the, the badass part, I might come up shy, might come shy That's okay, there one. was a woman here last time who sat here and I asked her the same question and she said Rihanna. And so we kind of laughed um, and then the very next day Rihanna came out with a rap song with Pharrell and so, uh, you know, you, you may invent something new. So okay, go, go for it. Give me at least two. I'll be vulnerable. Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who might be considered a whack MC, yes, but you know. <laughs> you know who I think would be a great MC uh -huh. is Obama. Oh, Obama without would be a doubt. The, the, the MC. First of all, he started with the classic MC finish, which was the mic. He in, mic drop. Right? Yeah. He ended his yeah. his career with the mic drop, and so maybe he'll segue from that into actually writing lyrics. And yeah. some of his favorite artists are rappers. Yeah. Is there one thing that you want to say to the audience who seems to really love you, and then to the audience at home who may not be familiar with you but who would love to follow you now? Is there one thing you want to say to everybody? Yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks. It's great to have you guys here today. It's been really fun. And um, if you haven't, uh, you can find us on the interwebs. You can find us online. It's horny with an E. We have Facebook, the website, and um, we're going to be making our first album this year, but we have a lot of stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and we play a lot around Brooklyn. We played like 20, I think over 20 gigs last year. Which is a big deal. In, yeah. in New York alone. So. Mm -hmm. Please come, uh, you know, get away from the screen and come come out to a show and have fun with us. And sometime. next time you see him, he will be rocking a flannel shirt so that he can be in alignment with these guys here. Got How you feel memo. over there, Corey? You still feeling good? All right. Despite the many uncertainties of time, one thing is for sure. The distinctly American-grown jazz genre continues to unite disparate nations and notions of identity. With its complex historical legacy, its irrefutable futurism, and its timeless capacity to engage that which is both structured and free. Thank you, Tyler, Blanton, and crew. The tradition is very lit, and we wish you all well as you continue to carry the torch and electrify the music scene with equal parts reverence and risk-taking. And for those of you who are not ready for any more risks, 
of Missing B-Side, that is. No need to fear. You can check out this and past episodes on our YouTube channel and listen to the B-Side podcast on Brick Radio. Or, if you're really brave, come escape the matrix and join us IRL right here at Brick House during one of our live shows. I am your host. Queen God is representing Brooklyn to the fullest. We love y'all. Till next time. The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Alon Cole, Ro Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. 